0: O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. Psalm 88. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. This Lenten tide we have been learning to lament from the Psalms. We've been learning to lament with Jesus on the cross. And our final psalm for consideration is possibly the most difficult for us to pray. It's arguably the darkest. It even stands among the most somber compositions in all of Holy Scripture, comparable to the overcast pages of Job's Lament or Solomon's in Ecclesiastes. It's really hard to imagine how to reconcile such dark tones with an evangelical hope. The gospel must predominate in Christian preaching even on this night as Christ lay dead in the tomb. But it's hard to do it from this psalm. Some might even think the sentiments in it are too dismal for it to even serve as a Christian prayer at all. Our hymnal committee saw no place for it in Lutheran worship and so left it out of the book. But no wonder you prayed it. Psalm 88 is not only darksome in every line, almost alone in the psalms. Consider, my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to the grave. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. I am like a man who has no strength adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, who you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand." The psalm even ends on a dark note, without even hope or resolution. Unlike most of the complaints in the psalms, the psalms of lament that we have prayed this Lenten tide, in this psalm there's not even an expectation that God will cure the psalmist. There's no promise to praise God upon his recovery. It ends this way. Loved one and friend, you have put far from me, and my acquaintances into darkness. Now how can that sort of sentiment be the last word in a Christian prayer? That would be like ending on Good Friday with no Easter. But there are hints of good news. The psalm begins, as you heard, by addressing the Almighty For all its gloom and shadow. O Lord, the God of my salvation. Question mark? (laughs) The intimacy and quiet hope of this address put one in the mind of, say, Psalm 22, which we prayed last night in its its fullness. Psalm 22, which obviously Christ prayed from the cross, crucified Jesus, asking why? God had forsaken him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But nonetheless, he keeps calling him my God, my God. So, even in the midst of all of these laments, we don't want to lose sight of how it began. O Lord, the God of my salvation. But as offended and as annoyed by the psalm as you might have been as we prayed it, or maybe with all the psalms we prayed tonight, you must remember that they come to you from the Holy Spirit, like all of the Bible. And the psalm was portraying death in a very particular way. If death is portrayed as a very bad thing in the psalm, then that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to think. The Holy Spirit wants you to regard death as a very bad thing. This is why I am utterly opposed to calling death a celebration of life. No, it's a funeral. Call it what it is. You can rejoice in the life that God gave, but our hope is in the resurrection. So, the Holy Spirit has us pray. Call death what it is. But you've probably also met, occasionally, unbelievers or just straight-up pagans who confess openly that they're not afraid to die, who even call death a good thing. There's the famous eugenic society, or excuse me, euthanasia society. It's kind of the same thing. Remember, it was called the hemlock society, referring to the poison they would take. They changed their name a while ago, I don't know if you know this. They're now called Compassion and Choices. It's death. And in that case, suicide. Well, this psalm suggests that maybe the pagans and unbelievers should be afraid to die. Line after line, the writer, under the guidance and impulse of the Holy Spirit, says in the most sharp terms that death is a most terrifying enemy. You can try to ignore or avoid it, but God the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to forget that death is always near. Even our daily prayers remind us that we must die and rise with Christ, dying with Christ in baptism if we are to live. You don't like to talk about death because you are afraid. Your fear of death is a quite natural reaction of the fleshy man, the old Adam, which is still active in you. So there's no point in ignoring it or avoiding it. God the Holy Spirit gives you this psalm so that you can honestly face up to the fleshy side of yourselves. So would be quite an appropriate psalm to pray in the midst of a devastating diagnosis or as you face your death. The Holy Spirit, that is to say, gives your fleshy fear its due. Because you feel this fear of death, the Holy Spirit deliberately addresses this fear and have you express it with words in prayer. Here is the tender condensation of of God that he provides, even that our fallen nature May have voice, may be able to voice itself to him, even tell him exactly how we feel. That is our very real fear of death. But most importantly, the psalm, as you no doubt recognized, is a prophetic confession of Christ's death and burial, and even resurrection. Jesus took on himself, not our pristine, unfallen nature, but our nature as tainted at the ancient tree in Eden and throughout the rest of history. So the fear of death expressed in this psalm is certainly a fear that Jesus himself felt and confessed. If, as Holy Scripture indicates in so many places, death is but the outward expression of sin and our alienation from God, then a deeper understanding of sin must indeed imply a more profound understanding of death. And who understood sin more than Jesus? Likewise, then, his perception of death is vastly more complete and accurate than even ours. He suffered all your sins in his body on the tree, which means then he died your death, and really every death altogether, at his cross. And as he knew more about the power of death than any of us, there is every reason to believe that he felt this fear of death more than the rest of us possibly could. So now hear again the words of the psalm. They even seem perhaps a bit trite to describe the complete suffering and fear of death that Jesus experienced. Again, hear these as the word of Jesus. My soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. but i did say the gospel has to predominate and i also said that there's a hint of the resurrection in this psalm there's one expression in this psalm brief that has been consistently used by the church to refer to the death of jesus not in terms of doom but actually as an emblem of triumph and validation of his sacrificial death for all sins at the cross That expression was just these few words. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead. You could translate that a number of ways. Set free among the dead. In the preaching and liturgy of the church, Jesus was indeed free among the dead in the sense that death had no more dominion over him. He was free with respect to death, as it could not hold him fast. Reaching to seize Jesus in the moment of his final breath, death found itself cast down and trampled by the rush of his abundant life, crashing into that realm where the grave, until now, the undisputed victorious enemy, had so long held sway. So sin, death, devil, even hell, was crushed underneath his feet. Every antagonist fell beneath his mighty, grinding tread. And thus, immediately, without delay, striding into the underworld, Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison who were formerly disobedient. 1 Peter 3. And to demonstrate, moreover, that our Lord was truly free among the dead, St. Matthew records that at his death, the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So it is that Jesus... Is free among even us, the dead. He comes amongst us to raise us from the dead through the word of forgiveness. But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. It might be dark now, but the day is coming, and the dawn of our dayspring, Jesus. Easter is coming. You lament death, but you also rejoice now in the hope of the resurrection. In the holy name of Jesus.